This is the Jets-Centric Podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to episode 27 of the Jet Centric Podcast. We're doing another roundtable for you. Tonight, there is me, AJ, and uh, I'm joined with, uh, joined by, not with, joined by uh, Paul Quay and Ryan Faith. How's it going, gentlemen? You can both talk at the same time. We always do this. It's always awkward. Everyone say hi at the same time. Go. Hey, now. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, me. Doing good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, perfect. That's You always got to get that awkward introduction out of the way so okay now that we got that going um we're just kind of doing a little preamble here planning how we're going to uh talk tonight and i think one thing that would be kind of uh maybe unusual to to do and to start with is uh, maybe let's start with a bunch of positives so the jets uh, i believe they're two and four in their last six games they had three wins before that they had a couple disappointing uh third period collapses uh, most recently against pittsburgh uh, I should mention we are recording on what is this Wednesday, Wednesday evening, so the day after the, the Pittsburgh game and the day before the, uh, the Blackhawks game. Um, so there, there's definitely some stuff we're going to get into that's not going to be of the most po- uh, most positive variety because there is some some things definitely been noticing. But uh, let, let's see if we can start with some positives. I think it's it's good to remember that we are fans of the team. We do see some good stuff. So uh, maybe we could just kind of go around. We'll pick a pick a couple players. And just uh, say what we see in their game, what we like about it, how they've grown, and whatnot. And uh, we'll just go from there. So, Paul, maybe we'll start with you. Who's you know a player that you really want to key in on that you think that you're kind of proud of them? How's that? We'll say say it that way. Well, I mean, uh, one of the guys that I would uh, pick out, which is you know pretty easy when he has 11 goals and in, uh, in uh, how many ever games uh, that he's uh, that he's had lately. But not so much the goal scoring with Patrick Laine. The thing that I I've seen the last couple games, to be honest, has been uh, the forechecking and the skating where, uh, you know, before this little mini streak that he was on with the uh, with the series of goals that he had, um, I really kind of found uh, his game lacking a little bit as far as, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the forecheck on the puck, uh, you know, puck movement. He didn't really look like he was moving his legs. And then when they moved him to the Lowry line. Uh, you know, he. I think he really started to pick that up. And then, of course, when they went to Finland, that was better. But in the last few games, uh, and I think I, I really noticed it uh, last night versus Pittsburgh, was that uh, he was, you know, he was digging in that corner. He was uh, he was in behind the net. He uh, he did have some nice passes. And, and just that side of the game around the goal scoring, if you took the goal, goal scoring out, just the uh, just the effort looks like it's there, and I think that's been a big, big positive um, the past couple games for for me anyway. Yeah, I think also too one thing that uh, I know just to kind of key on on was the passing thing you said there feels like against Pittsburgh I only saw one of his uh, soft passes out of the zone that uh, got intercepted. Usually it looks like he he's not trying and he does a maybe a couple of those a game and you go oh geez what are you doing man. But uh, I believe he only had one of those against Pittsburgh. It seems like just with everything, there's a bit more uh, intentionality and, and purpose with uh, the passes and and not looking maybe so lazy or well, I, I'm not I, sure what the I best term is. But. 
I noticed the lack of the toe drag. The toe drag, he, he's definitely put that one in the cupboard for a little while, so uh, I think that's actually a good thing. I don't know if the coaching staff talked to, about, uh, talked to him about that, but that's one thing I've noticed that hasn't been there or wasn't there the last couple games that I noticed anyway. Yeah, just a little, a little less casual, a little more kind of uh, to the point with uh, uh, going north to south or, or however you want to describe it. But yeah, that's good. I like that nice, uh, nice obvious, obvious one with Liney. He's been uh, killing it, like you mentioned. Ryan, how about you? Uh, who's uh, somebody that you're proud of? Well, you know me. I'm always proud of our boy Nick Patan. Oh He's, yeah. Uh, he still hasn't got on the score sheet which is all right because he is playing very good hockey right now. Five on five, his numbers, I believe, are through the roof um, compared to most of his teammates. And that's really, really nice to see from a guy who is kind of concerning to a lot of fans coming in. But so far, he, he's looked good. Again, he hasn't got on the score sheet. I think I predicted him to have two goals last night. Didn't quite happen, but uh, he's as soon as the floodgates open up I think this guy's going to score a lot of goals for us and I really uh, like him on that line right now with um, uh oh drawn blanks with uh, Rosalik and he's been with Lemieux since uh Kopp got injured yes so it'll be nice once we get caught back which will hopefully give that line more minutes last night was was not the greatest for for minutes I think they had only like positive, three and five right? only positive no. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, once we see caught back, that line is going to pick up more minutes, and I think we're going to see a lot from number 19. Right. That's good. Okay, I'm going to key in on a player. And, uh, I mean, all this is just opinions and stuff, so I'm sure there's some numbers that uh, will tell us where uh, some of these players have failed or, or have uh, had successes. But just kind of by, by what we see, I think uh, that's pretty good. Uh, indication probably what a lot of fans see without uh, sitting in front of a spreadsheet, although those are fun too. Um, anyhow, uh, I'm going to go with Tanev. Uh, I have never been a Tanev supporter. Uh, I watched him play the little bit that he did with the Moose. When they came, I did not understand the signing. I thought there was better uh, young players that would uh, fit that role. And so I've always, 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 always been not anti-TANF, maybe not anti, just not pro-TANF. Certainly the way that uh, seems so many people are, I do not think he's a, um, a quality skilled player, but I do see his game grow. Uh, I used to describe it saying he's improved so much he's finally shitty, but uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I know that's, that's maybe a bit mean, but uh, obviously my point again would be that I thought there's other players that should have been ahead of him, but it seems like the guy's done, you know, uh, a lot with his opportunity. I don't think his numbers are as good as they were last year. And when that Lowry cop, uh, Tanev line was running together, um, for, for a long time. And, and again, beginning of the season, they got lots of, lots of minutes, uh, through the first, uh, eight to 10 games, uh, together, but he was never the main driver of that line. It still seems like his best hockey, is played when he's with Lowry for some reason, even if Lowry's not handing him the puck or anything. But uh, that seems he seems like a, a one-trick pony, um, uh, not in the same way that maybe Liney would be considered by some to be. But uh, that that trick has been working out uh, pretty well. And I mean, if he's your your worst player and he's still managing to get on the score sheet, uh, he's still managing to disrupt things on the forecheck, um, like a like a madman, like a chicken with his head cut off. I mean, I would prefer, prefer someone more skilled, but uh, you know what? Good, good for him for, uh, you know, sticking it out 
and uh, I am definitely still not a fan. There's still probably other players I'd put in uh, above him, but I mean, I'd like to commend him on just the the work that he's done because obviously uh, he's proven enough to enough people to to get to stick around, um, and you know, at the expense of you know Marco Dano or uh, Joel Armia or. You know, I'm sure there there might be other other players too that uh, would fill in. Um, that would be a bit more obvious to to some or, or to me. But uh, yeah, uh, I'd say good for him. You know, he had a nice uh, goal, worked really hard the other day. He always gets those ones. It's always surprising. Um, it's funny. Almost every time he scores, though, and not me, but uh, I feel like the announcers right away say, "Wow, that was a a weak goal. The goal he should have had that." It feels like. He, although he did have that nice backhander the other day, but uh, there was uh, the the one the other day. I think right away the uh, Ferraro said something about like, "Oh, geez, uh, how did he not stop that one?" So he he manages to get his goals, and uh, good good for him. So uh, well, I, congratulations, Brandon Tanev. <laughs> I I think he's really deceiving with uh, with when he decides to shoot the puck, that, yeah. which is why he scored that nice goal the other night against St. Louis was. He made that quick move where not a lot of players would make that. Um, And when he's shorthanded, he whips around that net so quickly. And then he's out front and then he has an option to to pass it or just to shoot it. And he's very quick and deceiving, which is why he does score these goals, which makes him an exciting player to watch sometimes. Um, And I agree, he's been surprising and still still would rather see some other guys at times. But... You know, as long as he's putting up points, why not, right? Yeah, he's very unorthodox. That's that's the thing, right? It's a it's a very unusual uh, way and style that he he plays, and because only he can play like that at that speed and, and quickness. But uh, I mean, if you took his speed away, he's probably in the ECHL. If we're all being completely honest, but uh, whatever, he does have the speed, so uh, he, he's managed to find, find a place. So, hey, I said, keep it positive. Come on, we're talking I, positive. Yeah. I'm positive he'd be in the ECHL if he wasn't as fast. How about that? All right, Paul. If I was to make a comment on on uh, you know the, the on Tanev, I I think that him and Lowry have definitely you know carved a niche for themselves on that third line. Um, it's unfortunate that uh, you know we've we you know you you put Perot on that line with them, and he's a hardworking guy, but he's also a guy that if you want anybody else to start to start going he's the guy you throw with them and i almost picture kyle connor like that right now because look at what connor's done uh, you know he was he was lighting it up when he's with shifley and wheeler and now he gets onto the line a little line and they're going all of a sudden so you know he might be stealing a little of uh, perot's thunder if you want to look at it that way um you know and and you know you go through the lineup and there's the there's the the twos you got shifley and wheeler uh ehlers almost seems like uh you know he's he's on that line, but it's it's almost like they're a two and one, and then yeah. the uh, line a little uh, Connor line is is working pretty well now, and then you got uh, Lowry and Tanev working well, and of course Perot's on that line as well now, but he could easily move up and down the lineup anywhere he's needed, and then on the fourth line you've got uh, Roslovic and Patan, who I'm a Patan fan from way back when he uh, when he first started, and I'm uh, you know a little upset if you want to talk negative about um, you know the minutes they're getting. But, uh, you know, not a huge Lemieux fan myself. So it's almost like that line's a two and one as well. So uh, I think guys are carving out their niche and, and Lowry and, uh, or sorry, uh, Lowry and Tanev have, uh, have definitely kind of found that, you know, dynamic duo uh, role themselves. 
Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's some great points. I think uh, you should keep going on the Connor thing. What what has he been doing different and how he's dri- driven that line? We're talking about the keying in on a, uh, certain players and saying some positives. I think that'd probably be an easy one to for you to maybe keep going on uh, about for Connor. So. Yeah, no, well, uh, you know, Connor, uh, I think one of the reasons he, they, they pulled him off uh, the top line was to kind of get Ehlers going with uh, Shifley and Wheeler. And, uh, you know, I also think maybe there was a little bit of, uh, you know, hey, let's see if he can do it um, without the top two guys, just to see, uh, you know, what a, you know, he is in a contract uh, year or the end of the uh, ELC coming up and he's going to be in negotiations. So it was to uh, to see if, if he's going to be able to drive the bus himself or if he was just riding the coattails. And I think it's quite clear from from the results that he can drive a line by himself or you know, if he's got, uh, if he's got somebody who's, uh, who can play with him. So line a, yeah, he's a trigger guy. Yeah. He scores goals. Yeah. If he's firing it in the back of the net, you can just rack up assists all day long. Uh, but you know, you still got to get the puck to him and, you know, Connor, his feet are always moving. He's in the corner. He's not afraid to uh, get in there and dig it out. And, uh, when he needs to, he's got, he's got soft hands and, uh, and he can make those passes as well. So, I, I see him as, to be honest, probably one of the brightest uh, spots of the season so far for the team in general. I like it. I like it. Ryan, how about you? Let's uh, let's go around one more time, and then we'll uh, we'll get into some other uh, key stories. Who else you got something positive to say something about? Oh, I nobody. Um, <laughs> no, I want to talk about Connor again. And how do you even conceive conceivably think that you can keep? Connor and Line at the end of this year. Both are going to be monster contracts. How do you keep both these guys, or do you bridge um, Connor? Yeah, oh, you're getting I into think, that. I think well, of the two, Connor's going to be the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think both of them could sign long term? Is that even possible with the amount of money that they're going to be making? I want to say Line is going to be around the 10 mil mark. Connor, seven? Yeah, yeah, well, I think uh, I with, with uh, Myers uh, coming off the books, um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. I've chatted actually with Murata a little bit about this, just trying to get a feel for what he thinks uh, could happen. He's he's not sold him my idea here, but I think the team probably tries to move Kulikov's contract. That's four point three, uh, or uh, maybe look at a buyout. He's only got one year left, so I know the buyout kind of sucks, whatever, and it's not really much. Uh, cap relief, I, I believe it splits in half or, or something like that, but there would probably be a little bit to be gained by that. I mean, it's not uh, dollars and cents move. It's a it's a cap space move. I mean, they can afford to pay the guy and buy him out, but just uh, the, the, the effects afterwards, I'm not sure if that's uh, one of the things, but I wouldn't be surprised if they look to try and get those. You know, obviously Myers does come off the books, but that, that would free up uh, almost $10 million, 9.8, I believe, right there of just those two. And then Nico and Pullman should probably slot into the, the lineup pretty seamlessly. And uh, we're not really sure what's happening with Truba's uh, contract. I guess, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Truba, I guess they probably have for another year for, for a similar amount, right? Because uh, he did sign an arbitration, uh, just a one-year deal. So the Jets still have his rights, I believe, for one more year after that. Um, so likely they we do the whole dance again with Truba and we probably get him signed again for something similar, you know, Six, 6.25, 5.75, whatever it is. I guess it depends on how the season goes. But I wouldn't, um, so. uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't take away the um, the thought that they might do something with Kulikov similar to what they did with Mason this year. 
and then it's make right. a deal, throw something in, and get somebody to take them without having to take the hit uh, and split the uh, and split the buyout. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I can see that too. Actually, I've uh, just again I've had some some conversations about this specifically with a, a few people that might be a little bit closer to it, and it's not Marat in this case, but uh, I, I get the sense that there might even be a retirement in in play here. Um, that's that's just my feeling, just based on what uh, I, I've heard. But um, we'll, we'll see uh, what happens with that. But uh, um, not Murat. Um, Kulikov, I believe, he's more injured than I think uh, the, the team was letting on. And I think his recovery has been much slower than, uh, than it should have been. So, uh, you know, young guy, but uh, he, I, I don't know how, how, much, how many more years he could keep doing this. Uh, in and out of the lineup, injured, not injured, back surgery, uh, you know, in and out. I, I, that I wouldn't be surprised if this is the end for him uh, of his his playing days, uh, honestly, after this season. And that's just my, my conjecture, based on kind of the things that I make up out of my head, and just trying to talk with a few people about it and get their feelings of the ideas of where this could go. Not that anybody actually gave me any inside information, but just um, that that's kind of what I see. So Kula Cup, I imagine, comes off. Now that that ties back into. Uh, what you're saying about affording Connor and Liney. I mean, the, they'll, they'll make it work um, next year. This is, I know, no, nobody likes this conversation. You guys know how much uh, I do, but talking about uh, a potential lockout, um, there is uh, September 19th, the, the players can sign the CBA for another two years, I believe. Um, they likely will not um, because of escrow. There'll likely be some sort of work stoppage and a new CBA put in place. I imagine that we lose 20 games is my prediction. I predict that we'll have a 60-game season next year. And uh, with that, there will likely be some uh, buyout uh, freebies, like there was in the last uh, CBA where there was each team was given two that wouldn't count and get the, the cap. This is like huge conjecture, but just seeing what happened in the past and what kind of teams would and players and uh, would fight for. Um, and if there is something like that, I mean, Brian Little has been playing well with those guys, but just talking about the potential lockout with potential buyout provisions, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Brian Little either is going to Seattle or was a, a freebie buyout because that contract is is really not going to look good in another year or two. So that's, that's, well, that's, that, that's my hot that take. Line. Along that line of, uh, of buyout, uh, like you mentioned, a buyout, or uh, not a buyout, uh, with a lockout, um, if that happened, and we might be way off topic here, but if that came to pass where they were going to lock out the players uh, because they didn't sign the CBA, does the league push for even bigger uh, concessions for themselves like they did when they acquired the salary cap? So you talk about something like, uh, and I mean, it would never get to this, but you look at the, uh, you know, a league like the NFL, uh, players not doing their uh, doing their job, they get cut. Team doesn't owe them anything unless it's guaranteed money. So does something come in, or does the league push for something like that, where they uh, either have more buyouts that uh, don't cost against the cap, or player contracts need to be guaranteed versus uh, versus open. Um, uh, you know, something of that ilk where the league could push for more, which means it would push well beyond 20 games. Right. And, you know, I, like you said, we're getting way off topic right now. We're still, believe it or not, talking about positive things about Jets players. 
but this this whole stuff about like CBA, this is totally in my wheelhouse. Not as far as knowledge. Like everything I said, there's probably certain people yelling at their their phone right now, saying, "You're an idiot. You don't know anything." That that's probably true. But I love talking about this stuff. I actually find it super fascinating, even though I know very little. But uh, I, it is definitely an interesting uh, conversation. But uh, I, I like the point that you mentioned too. Like, well, I guess we'll see what happens. Honestly, there's a uh, September. You know, it's less than a year away. It's ten months away, and we'll be uh, deep into this conversation by that time but maybe we'll we'll bring it back positive things about players so Ryan uh, did you have anything more positive to say about players have we run out of good players to talk about I mean uh, (laughs) I'm sure there's some 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 good players still in the Jets right well you go down the list obviously and say Mark Shifley's still good Blake Wheeler's picked it up recently with his five-on-five play Um, hey Dustin Bufflin doesn't look like he's gonna miss any time like there's there's little positives right now um but at the same time back to the Bufflin. actually i just mentioned that but they called up cameron Schilling today so who knows what that uh what that move means for the team yeah well and and they so they've got uh they've got Schilling and niku both sitting in the press box if everybody stays if Bufflin misses no time so at what point, uh, and I mean, I don't know if this is a positive or a negative, but, you know, you've got two guys sitting there that should be getting minutes, but they're sitting in the press box eating popcorn. Not great. There's got to be a reason that both of them are called up, though. Maybe Buff is hurt, or maybe it's a, another defenseman. Uh, the, what I got from Maurice today was, it sounds like Buff just missed today for a maintenance day because he's kind of had the flu, and it was just a precaution because of yesterday, but he's going to be in the lineup tomorrow. But why would you pull up? Schilling and have him second in line in the press box behind Niku. I, I don't get that unless there's something else at play and maybe there is another injury that we don't know about. I think everyone else was practicing today. So I just don't understand that move completely, but I don't know if you want to touch I, well, on I that. I think you guys have mentioned it before and I've heard, I've heard you talk and, and uh, you, you say, you know what? We never get to see what the full, scope is so when the team does something and we all you know clutch our phones and we're yell at the sky or whatever the case may be and say what the heck's going on i mean the Vesalinen incident is probably uh one of those things that you know there was a lot of consternation on both sides of the both sides of the fence but the reality is that we only see the tip of the iceberg there's so much more going on below and yeah like you say they call up something there's got to be something going on I, I'm just going to mention uh, Logan Shaw has a natural hat trick for the Manitoba Moose right now. Moose are up four nothing, so good for Logan Shaw. He's probably the next call up now. Just uh, the natural hat trick. Does he the no frills grocery store win like a hundred dollars if he gets five dollars? <laughs> there you go. I like it. Yeah. Congratulations to Chris Haley. Uh, you won a hundred dollars from no frills. I like it. That's great. Yeah. Paul, like you, good, like you said, good, I, safe way to spend uh, no money on that jersey they uh, presented. Uh, they made him wear <laughs> on. Do they uh, print off the Safeway logo on a sheet of loose leaf and then tape it on to the to plain white jersey? I guess they just <laughs> thought they'd never have to be there. They never thought anyone would score five goals. I don't know if they watch the games or not. I don't know if they know that we've got Patrick Liney, but I would say um, the fact that they didn't have a better jersey. Um, should disqualify them from being a sponsor. I mean, that's uh, you're, 
you're giving if, that, yeah. if those are the Safeway corporate jerseys that the guys who play on their beer league team wear, I think the other teams would be blind, uh, you know, uh, white out blind, or uh, you know, they need to get a little bit more money out of the uh, the uh, coffers from the uh, coffee fund to you know maybe improve their look a little bit. Okay, quick quick vote here. Would you, if you had to wear a jersey, would you rather wear the Aviator jersey or the Safeway jersey? <laughs> I've come around on the aviator jersey. I like them. Okay. So the I, one I would, I, yeah, I would say the aviator jersey. You know what? The aviator jersey, and I'll just make one quick comment or a couple of quick comments on it. When you know the little tweaks that are on the jersey, uh, like the you know the little plane that's crossing the T and the and the, the the stuff in the collar, and you know that the Jets used the script in the past and blah blah. The you know all those little things that are historic are neat, but overall it's still pretty bland. They could have, they could have done something more. Yeah. I think uh, I had a really good conversation actually with a friend the other day uh, about this specifically. And, and actually Brian and I, we recorded something right after third Jersey came out. He was very pro. I was on the fence, but um, I just said it looks incomplete and uh, I won't get into the details, but it seemed like, like you said, they, they tried to hit up so many little elements like the color, they say is Finland inspired, which makes sense, right? Obviously, the 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 story there, the script from the WHA days, the the color scheme with no shoulder patches, not the the colors specifically, but the pattern of the colors is the '90s jersey. Um, you know, the obviously the jet the through through the the thing was part of it. So there's these three or four different elements that you could tie into the history of the Jets, and so I thought I think that they probably thought, oh, this is definitely a home run, but uh, it, I think. It's sort of it was almost trying too hard that that, that nothing got done. It was like a, a gerbil on a on a oh, a spinning wheel. And obviously, I, I know people are gonna say I love that jersey. It's great. I've come around. On it. That's fine. That's I, I'm not criticizing anyone who likes a jersey. You're allowed to like whatever you like. But uh, again, to me, it's incomplete. But I could tell you this. Uh, my brother-in-law, he employs a couple uh, young kids, some that work at Sportcheck and some that work at River City. Uh, and he said that these kids are. Um, they said they haven't had to order a second shipment of jerseys yet because they <laughs> well, haven't. Here's the, here's the thing about the so, about the striping. It, it's like the, we're we're celebrating the 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 you know Jets point one from the '90s. Well, let me tell you, I was there. Uh, yeah, there were some okay teams, and Solani played for them, and all this kind of stuff. But you know, that's celebrating mediocrity. So yeah, you know, getting those stripes back for that specific reason seemed odd to me. Yeah. Again, they, they, they thought they hit it out of the out of the park, but I'm I mean, again, some people are gonna like it, but overall it it has not been uh, a hit, which is uh, unfortunate because we've all been or many people have been pining for for a third jersey for a long time. So go ahead and like it all you want, but don't uh, be uh, you know offended if people don't like it because it's kind of plain and kind of uh, probably missed the mark in some way. In fact, uh, I think it'd be kind of cool, you know, that the the one where they took the script from the WHA logo there. Uh, I heard someone say they should have just taken the hockey man from it, like the the guy that's that's on it, the silhouette, yeah. and tried to update that and just have that. I'm like, yeah, nobody, there's nothing like that. That's well, I mean, there's nothing I suppose like the script right now in the NHL either. But uh, I think that would be even more subversive, and I think that'd be uh, actually pretty pretty cool thing if they would have just had a silhouette of the the hockey guy, almost like just the NBA logo or or something like that. So the interesting thing to me, and my last comment on it would be that. 
you know, at the beginning when True North uh, Sports came back and they, they you know, weren't even going to go with the name Jets. I mean, they wanted, you know, this was rumored or whatever and, you know, people whispering in the back corners. Um, you know, they wanted to distance them, themselves from Jets 1.0. They wanted to rebuild and rebrand, uh, you know, and build something for themselves. And so they, you know, they weren't going to, then they named the team Jets and everybody loved it. And when they came back, everybody wanted kind of the old jerseys to come back while well, they went a completely other way. And now it seems like, you know, they want to revisit that history and celebrate it and all that kind of stuff. So it just seems like they've kind of come 180 and I, you know, the, the, the aviator Jersey, they tried to swing on so many levels to, to, to celebrate that history. But I think it just, as a collective thing, it just kind of missed personally. It's my own take. All right, let's get back to the, the, the current Jets, this team. Okay, so we're done saying positive things. Like you said, Ryan, obviously there's other players that are, are playing well. Uh, maybe we should move into just maybe specific, specific players that are maybe having a, a bit of a downtime, who's, uh, who's whiffing um, and who's uh, le- letting us down a bit here. So uh, maybe we'll go reverse order this time, Ryan. Maybe you could start and tell us uh, who, who you're a little disappointed in lately or, or maybe all season you're disappointed with. Right before I get to that, I want to just mention that Logan Shaw – has six goals, four assists in seven games with the Moose. He's the leading scorer on the Moose this year. Wow. Leading scorer with both of his teams uh, combined this year in about six games less played than his teammates. So I just want to throw that out there quickly because I was looking that up as you are talking about the jerseys. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, I'm scrolling through the Twitter machine here too, seeing what's happening with that Moose game. So it's fun. Good, good for him. I mean, uh, there's a lot of uh, negative talk about him when he came. Uh, I just kind of made some some jokes, whatever. I didn't really know or care that much, but uh, good for him for doing the best with his opportunity. Okay, Ryan, hit it. Go. So I don't want to be too negative, so I'm not going to talk about this too much, but there's a lot of talk right now about Connor Hellebuck. Um, and is he is he the goalie this team needs? And I think obviously that answer is yes, but I think we need to talk about it because that is kind of the hot topic right now. A lot of people are saying he isn't worth the contract that he signed. What's wrong with him? Um, put Brossois in net. And I don't totally understand that this guy still is putting up some wins for us. Sure. He had a stinker last night, that third goal against him to tie the game for Pittsburgh in the third but I think that maybe this is a bit overblown, that you have to keep riding him. He's going to get into a groove. He's going to be just fine. He, and I talked about this last week on the roundtable, is that he might not be a Vesna finalist again, which is fine. We just need him to stop the puck and be average. And I think a lot of this has to do with the defense as well. You can't just look at Connor Hellebuck's numbers and say, well, he's being he's not a very good goalie right now. And I think he's kind of the bottom of the pack for starting goalies right now. Um, his stats are um, 298 goals against average and 907 save percentage. So not the greatest, but those numbers I think we're going to see come up and and we're going to be just fine. Do you think maybe that this is just kind of all blowing up a little, little much? Uh, I was going to add to your comment there and say, um, you know, when you hell about, should he be um, sitting a little more, play the hot hand? I mean, I've heard that kind of talk. I don't think that he's, I don't think that he's having a terrible year on his own. I think that whole D on the, on defense, we're having issues. And I think the issues that he's having this year specifically is just those, those 
one brain lapse a game or something like that, like that third goal you mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, those go in, that's a gut punch. It's, it's a it's a gut punch to the entire bench when a weak one goes in. You're working, 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 and that, and, you know, that's a killer. That's unfortunate. It brings the team down. Is he the hot hand, or he said riding the hot hand. Is Brossois really the hot hand, though? He he played his first three games and had uh, 9-3-3, 9-6-4, 9-6-9 save percentages. But since then, he has not played great against Calgary. He let in two goals on 16 shots um, after Hellebuck was pulled. But then even against St. Louis, where we won, so it kind of gets swept under the rug a bit. He didn't look that great. 8-5-2 save percentage, uh, four goals on 27 shots. He didn't look that great. Those goals that did go in weren't the best. He wasn't tested too much. He wasn't making incredible saves or anything like that. So is there a hot hand, or do you just got to keep putting Hellebuck in until he gets on a roll? Well, I think last year, if this was last year and it was Mason and Hellebuck, um, you know, Mason was supposed to be the guy. And, uh, you know, when he, you know, obviously showed that he wasn't, then we rode, uh, we rode Hellebuck. Now I'm not saying Brossois is Hellebuck by any stretch of the imagination, but, uh, yeah, maybe a couple games in a row for Brossois and see what he does. I mean, it, it obviously not going to hurt. Um, and if, uh, if Hellebuck gets his, his, uh, you know, head back in the game, as far as that's concerned, if he's sitting a couple games, or taking a couple games off, uh, maybe it helps. I I don't know. I mean, any whoever's got the magic bullet out there, definitely uh, take a shot. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> we'll do. Hey, uh, we're, we're in the doorway, right? Like you, you go for it. No, you, I I'm holding the door for you. No, you no, no you hang up. <laughs> I hung up last time. Um, okay. Uh, my, my take on goalies is their voodoo. So uh, the biggest thing is make sure that you uh, don't play your goalies back to back. Try not to run them, you know, three or four games in a row. Make sure your 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 backups get in um, semi regularly. Um, give them some of your easier games, but also give them some hard ones to let the the um, the, the starter, you know, take a break off some of those ones. I mean, uh, it, it's not very scientific to me. I feel like I don't I, I don't know. Goalies are voodoo. Uh, I have some opinions how I would do it. I think when the goalies don't play well. That isn't necessarily on the coach or goalie coach or anything like that. Sometimes, you know, it's just in your head. I mean, uh, we've all played sports. I mean, uh, I don't know if everyone who's listening has played sports, but I'm sure between the three of us uh, talking, whatever. And sometimes even at our level, it's it's no different. They're just at a higher caliber and higher level of playing a sport. Sometimes you just have a off game. Sometimes things just do not go your way. I played pretty high level soccer. And uh, when I, I did that, I mean, Sometimes everything you touch was gold and other times just you could, you're like stuck in the mud and just things would not happen for you. And uh, so you let in a couple bad goals. I mean, Hellebuck might come back uh, tomorrow and make uh, 45 saves in, uh, for a shutout against Chicago. And, and then everyone will be like, okay, he's fixed. But then the next game might be another down one. So uh, it's, it's difficult. The, the biggest thing is obviously as a team, uh, maybe this will kind of go into talking about uh, negatives about players. Um, I think it's important to play good defense, try and you know limit the shots that your goalie sees um, and and make sure that they're getting you know the 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 best angles on on shots that they can like their their shots are taken from from uh, bad angles and that your goalies can see the puck right i mean, I mean it's not too hard uh, just 
I'm not saying anything interesting or, or scientific or, or uh, world-shattering here. I think defensively as a team, we need to play a little bit better and, and make sure that uh, our, we're giving our goalie the best chance to, to have a good game. I mean, ideally, if you play your perfect game, I know this is ridiculous, and especially in hockey terms. Maybe in, in soccer terms, it could work a little bit better. But in a perfect game, your goalie probably never, ever would touch the puck. Right? There'd be no need for them because you'd always have the puck and the other team would never get shots. So ideally, if you could limit the shots, that'd be good. And then hopefully your your goalie bails you out. I mean, it seems like that lately the, the special teams have uh, been not as much of a factor. I don't feel like we've been taking tons of penalties. Um, so... So that's good that uh, he hasn't had to play out of his mind like he did last year on the penalty kill. So some of that pressure, I think, has been alleviated. I mean, we do still take some some penalties and still one of the most penalized teams. But as of late, I would say that the the Jets, I don't feel like the um, that that has been as much of a factor in game. So yeah, I think defensively as a team, just uh, we got to make sure that uh, we can help the guy get some some confidence, and uh, that might that'll kind of take me into talking about some of the the Jets players that I'm disappointed with. Um, I'm going to say, this is going to be a little bit negative here, but I'm a little bit um, disappointed with the defensive core as a whole. I don't think it's optimized, obviously, uh, with the players that are on it. Maybe it's not obvious to other people, but uh, I think between the three of us, we were chatting beforehand, just the whole bringing Niku in would be a good thing. I think Poolman's better than some of the players that are already there. So I don't think it's an optimized lineup right now when you're just looking at the defensive core. Uh, so that's problematic, and you're starting behind the eight ball before you know the puck even drops. Um, but, I mean, actually, I think Buff, Buff has been okay. I haven't looked uh, closely at the numbers, but, uh, you know, a lot of Tyler Myers gets a lot of hate uh, online. He's an easy target because he's so tall. Um, but uh, I think... There's other players, though, like if you start watching the goals and try and see, I try and break it down and look at the goals and say, okay, who was re- responsible for that? Whose fault was that? And I mean, you're always going to look at your goalie first, right? Because that's that's where the blame usually starts is, was it the goalie's fault? And then you look at your defenders and then, you know, usually your centermen and then your wingers. I mean, just uh, going out whose responsibility it is in order to keep that puck out of the net and starts, you know, from the, from the back end out. So... Uh, there's there's been lots of times though where I've seen some really nice goals or uh, teams break our D down and then I'm looking and I'm like oh geez that's Truba and Morrissey standing right there yet all the jokes continue to be about Myers or you know obviously there's a whole bunch of goals that uh, end up with uh, you look up and you say oh no it's more on Myers that sounds sounds about right or you know that was Sherrod Sh- doing that or maybe Buff did something silly but uh, feels like uh, it, it's not even split up evenly it just feels like we're giving up. Too many goals. I mean, uh, again, we've lost four games in the last six, so we've obviously been scored on more than we are doing scoring. And uh, even even the game against uh, St. Louis, when uh, Liney had his five goals, we still gave up four goals in that game. In a game that you know it looks like we probably could have ground them into into dust at certain points with with Liney just everything he touched, you know, going in the net. So um giving up four goals is is no good in any game even games that you win it's obviously you're doing doing some things wrong so this is a defensive core it just feels or maybe it's just the team defense feels uh feels a little bit weak a little bit lacking so i don't know maybe you guys uh, noticed some very specific things uh like i said i didn't look into the numbers so i'm gonna just speak in more general terms i'm sure i uh, could get in it, into a little bit more but you you guys can take a swing at this one 
I haven't looked at the, at the numbers per se, like, uh, you know, as far as course, you know, all that kind of stuff. But one of the things uh, when you talk about, uh, you know, the, the sight test or how it feels when the, when the jets are playing well, they break out of their zone very cleanly. They do those, uh, the passes off the boards behind the net. They're very clean. Both defensemen are in their spots and uh, acting as the safety valve. They're making one pass and they're out of the zone. When the Jets aren't playing well, I mean, they look like a rusty lawn chair. Like you, you, they're they're bobbling it. The the pass, the first pass out of the zone isn't clean. Uh, the the drop uh, the drop pass behind the net isn't clean. Um, maybe it's the fact that the like you know camera angles when you're watching at home. Um, maybe that maybe the the uh, the forwards aren't open. I don't know, but it's just when they are playing, those passes and those breakouts are smooth. And when they are playing poorly, those are they look horrible. So that that's a sight test for me. I don't know how that works. Uh, you know, with Corsi and all the numbers, we'd have to ask our uh, you know our um, uh, athletic uh, correspondents about some of that stuff. But that that to me is when when you see them doing that in the first period, you know it's probably going to be an okay game because they're moving the puck well. Yeah, and the, and the Jets seem to have been a team that can really be Jekyll and Hyde from period to period too. Like you talk about the period, it's not even like a game. They, they'll have two great periods and then a real stinker, or they might have, you know, uh, a lame over period and then followed up with two amazing periods. If, uh, I know it's talking and you got that, that break and everything, but uh, some of the flow of the game seems really, really unusual for uh, lately where periods look so unusual from one, one to the next to me. So yeah, you're right. Once you, you see what they're going to do, but it's almost uh, reset at the end of every period. And you're like, okay, who's coming out here? Is it going to be good Jets or bad Jets, right? So, Ryan, what's your take on the the, the D? You like the D? <laughs> this is this is a PG-rated podcast, so let's, uh, pretty, let's keep it that way, AJ, okay? Pretty simple question. I <laughs> just answered the stupid question about defense. Um. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think we can keep beating this dead horse with the same stick. It is what it is. We know what needs to change. We know who we're missing. We know, I think uh, Garrett Hall posted it today, um, with and without Toby Enstrom. And I don't really want to get into that too much because who knows what that's going to open up. But I think they do miss him a lot. Um, The top pairing has been iffy and now i see people online asking for truba's head which is just ridiculous but i don't know every everywhere in the lineup right now is kind of a question mark and and defense isn't isn't uh immune from that at all um bufflin i think is playing better than we expected for a guy who's making eight million a year and still giving it his all and probably our best defenseman right now on both sides of the ice um I'd like to see Niku up, but who knows when that's going to happen. Maybe that does happen tomorrow night with Bufflin being a question mark. I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot to add other than it's it's amazing how Ben Sherrod's game has changed. I think last year he was kind of the guy that we kicked at a lot, not Myers. And now this year, all of a sudden, you don't hear about Ben Sherrod, which is a good thing. If you're not hearing about a guy, probably uh, playing all right, right? Yeah, that's generally what they say about defensemen, and, and and that's true. I have I've felt like I haven't heard 
or seen much of Sherrod. I don't even know that he's out there sometimes, and it's kind of, oh, it's over. And uh, definitely, he's not on the ice nearly as much, at least, again, this is eye test going. I'm sure I'll be corrected on this. But, uh, yeah, just uh, he's not on nearly as much for, for some of those goals, especially some of the real um, Benny Hill ones, where you're like, oh, my gosh, what, what's going on here, right? Um, it seems like that's more of a, a Myers thing still, right? And, and that's the thing, uh, again, with the Myers, uh, hate or the jokes, whatever. I get it, and I'm I'm on board. I'm actually I'm I'm here for that. Um, but I think he's <laughs> kind of been the the victim for sure of having the worst gaffes that that people notice and remember. Because if you have a gap that turns into a goal, um, people are going to remember that. But I mean, all the players have them, and there's definitely been some that uh, these uh, the other defensemen and even some of the better ones have have had that have gone unnoticed um, because they either get a pass because they're better. And so people don't want to admit that they make mistakes and or they don't turn into goals. And uh, so I feel a little bit bad for Myers because, uh, uh, well, no, I don't, I don't feel too bad. I feel bad that the, the vitriol that he gets um, at the same time, he does deserve some criticism because he's doing some very, very unusual things. But uh, whatever, that's that's my, my hot take about the D. I'm going to shut up about the D now. Well, if I want to put something out there what if you were to because i know Sherrod is probably looking better because he's with buffalo and buffalo makes everyone look better what if you try to do a little experiment if you're going to keep that same six players you swapped moro to go up with buffalo and Sherrod down with myers is that even more of a tire fire than it is now or is that something that might improve the decor I, I don't think it matters, honestly. That, that's not a swap that does really, really anything. I think uh, because, you know, if you get to play with Buff, you get to look better. If you get to play with Myers, you're going to look worse. So Sherratt will become uh, more noticeable bad, and Moro will be, uh, you know, more noticeable good. Right? It'll, it, it'll stuff will get passed over. I don't think there's enough of a skill difference between those two or what they add that uh, it's really going to make much of a difference with those two. I think it's specifically going to be other players that either are stronger defensively than all three of our weaker defensemen or and or somebody that's stronger offensively than all three of those. But uh, And to be fair, though, those three are three weakest defensemen, uh, Meyer, Schrott, Morrow, that are in the lineup, are all decent uh, like offensively. I mean, they, they do get points. They do get some goals like the ones that you'd expect. I mean, at one point, uh, you know, not too long ago, uh, Sherratt had three five-on-five five goals and Liney had none. So um, those guys, can they, they do get their points. The, the, the stuff does kind of fall for them, um, especially because on defense, you only got the three lines, right? So they're getting more minutes and everything. Uh, so those guys, they, they, they get points. I'm, I'm not worried about their offensive stuff nearly as much as the defensive. But um, if you can add someone, again, like Sammy Niku, that's going to be even better offensively and probably equally as bad defensively but with a higher upside and there's no there's no proof that he would be actually worse um or equally bad or worse defensively i think that's just an assumption that people make just because he's not a veteran and and figuring out the defensive elements of the game for an offensive defenseman is the thing that comes last right but uh we'll never know until you give the kid a chance well we for joe morrow who doesn't seem to bring a whole lot on a defense we were just talking about our defenseman in the offensive category. Joseph Morrow, zero goals, zero assists on 19 games. So oh, yeah. maybe he's the first one to go and uh, and see. Like, Nick has played one game. He has a goal. Throw him in. What's, gonna, what's it going to hurt? 
You know what? Actually, I should I should remember that Moro had uh, no points because I I believe that came up in one of our, our conversations that was not uh, being recorded uh, not long ago. I forgot he he had no points um, or no goals. I actually didn't know that he didn't have any assists. I knew that he I did know that he had no goals, but whatever. Yeah. But I, but Moro has been known to to have some offensive upside. That's uh, more the the bigger picture I was going for, not specifically in the last twenty games. So um, let's move on to the coaching here. Um, I think this is where we might spend the most uh, amount of time or the most uh, poignant amount. Um, Paul, uh, what do you think of Paul? Uh, what do you think uh, what he's doing with the line? <laughs> the line? Paul, Paul, As a- he is, Paul Mee's pretty good. Paul, uh, Paul Maurice. Well, you, you know what? I'm, I, I wouldn't say I'm a pro Paul Maurice. I wouldn't say I'm a anti Paul Maurice. I, I love his quotes. And I, and I think that the, I think the guys in the room love him. I think my biggest uh, mark against him would be um, his <laughs> his consistent uh, non usage of of those fourth line guys. That you know, Roslovic and and Patan, even with Lemieux there, yeah, he draws too many penalties, and I'd rather see you know Cop in there or Dano or whoever if uh, if he was still up with the with the team. Um, but I mean, you you have a, a guy like Roslovic and a guy like Patan, and you're playing them for five minutes a game. I, that that mentality I don't get. So I, I you know that would be my biggest mark against him right now. I mean, we talked about uh, you know the riding the hot hand goaltender wise. Well, that's that's you know Kieran or their coach's decision uh, as far as uh, from game to game what who he thinks matches up best. And he's been a coach coach a lot longer than uh, you know than I have, obviously. But uh, but yeah, that that those fourth line minutes that would be the biggest uh, mark against him right now uh, in my books. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The uh, the last game, just uh, in case people missed it, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe Crosby had twenty minutes and seven seconds, so essentially twenty minutes, and they had one forward that was uh, nine and a half minutes, and then they had one that was seven and a half minutes. So they had two that were under 20 minutes and essentially or under 10 and essentially uh, none over 20. The Jets had uh, four players over 20 uh, forwards over 20 minutes. Uh, and then they had uh, three players under uh, 10 minutes and all under the, the pens lowest, which was seven and a half minutes. Uh, like Roslovic, uh, Lemieux and, and Patan all had four and a half to, to five minutes. So the, the range was much higher and you see a lot of players getting, um, uh, more minutes than they probably should be getting in a given night. And that, uh, like you said, he's kind of running, not the, the adverse effect of not giving a fourth line enough minutes is you're giving most likely other lines too many minutes. And that there, so there's a two-sided thing to it because it's not like they're evenly balanced after that. And I, I agree. I think that's one of uh, his issues there of not trusting a line. And I don't understand why, because, that fourth line before Lemieux, um, they still weren't getting a ton of minutes, but uh, uh, has proven to be one of the most dynamic lines, even though they haven't been getting the scoring. But it feels like Ryan said earlier that uh, it's just a matter of time before, he said specifically Patan, but before they, they start scoring and getting their points up there. Uh, I mean, that, that line has been great. They've been amazing. So I don't know what they have to do to earn trust. It's uh, such an old school way of thinking of, you know, all about veterans and earning your time and trust and, you know, grit and, and these kind of things. And I, I just feel like if Maurice didn't have a team that was nearly as skilled, uh, he'd be exposed uh, a little bit more as a coach where people would 
wonder what the heck he's doing because uh, certainly not getting the best out of this lineup because when you, you know, make your other lines a bit more tired and, and it may not affect anything right now. I mean, losing a game to the Penguins in the middle of November may not be that big of a deal, but if you're not good at making adjustments now, um, then when you run into a hot goalie in the conference finals, if you've never been accustomed to making adjustments or, or trusting more lines to try and get going or, or moving people around, um, then that, that might come back to bite you if you're not a person that can, can do that. So anyhow, I would love to see his, even the lineup change a little bit more uh, where there's chemistry, but I think the, the time on ice needs to definitely change, especially like that, that Pittsburgh game. Sorry, I know I've been rambling here like I usually do, but the Pittsburgh game, it wasn't even a game that had tons of penalties. I mean, sometimes you get those games where there's lots of special teams and that really throws the numbers out of whack for, for some players that aren't on either of those things. And they're like, okay, makes make sense. That's why their numbers were so low, but it wasn't even wasn't even that. And, and this is not unusual too. This isn't a isolated event. This is kind of Maurice's MO. So uh, it's uh, it's too bad. Um, Brian, what, what do you want to say about the, the coach and his handling of stuff. Well, I agree with you that it might not be that big of a deal in mid or late November, I guess, on how he's playing the lines, but it's really going to make a difference at the end of the season or even if this team tries to go deep in the playoffs is that you're completely wearing out that top line. Our top players are playing 22 minutes a game and they're just drained. You can see last night... Um, sorry if you touched on this. I kind of zoned out for a minute there. But, yeah, that's um, okay. I did too. While I was talking, I zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> that's normal, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, he just he's wearing these lines out. And last night they were getting uh, skated circles around because they had nothing left in the tank. And he just knew they probably didn't have much of a chance on coming back in that game last night because they were – they're exhausted, and when you when you're playing your bottom line four thirty two, four fifty one, and five oh nine in a game, there's an issue there. You can take those minutes, spread them around, uh, and that's when we've seen this team be successful. We've seen games where they go out and ruin other teams uh, five on five, and then you look at the ice time, and it's all pretty even or more even uh, relative to what we saw last night. Yeah. So that's my that's my only thing against Paul right now. I like the other than his defense, but the forward combinations. I I like the chemistry that we have there, and I'm fine keeping it that way. I don't think you need to juggle that as long as we even out those playing minutes, and I think we'll be just fine. If you're trying to shield Lemieux from getting more minutes because of his shenanigans or that he draws penalties or whatever the case may be, um, you know. That might be why they're they're holding back on some of those fourth line minutes, um, but you know I'll get your guys' thoughts on this. What about flipping uh, flipping uh, Perot and Lemieux? So you put Perot with uh, uh, Patan and, and Rostovic, and then Lowry, Tanev, and and uh, Lemieux. If you're scared, uh, if you're sheltering Brennan because of what he could potentially do out there, why is he even in the lineup? Yeah, that that was just that's what I was going to say. He needs yeah. he needs to sit in the press box and he need to bring someone else in. Uh, he's not the guy. Uh, when he wasn't in the lineup and Cop was on that line, they were getting closer to ten minutes a game. Maybe it was eight or seven or nine, whatever it was. 
That's what you need. You need to bring in a guy that can fill in for Cop, not just another player that can just fill in. And then you have to shelter them because you're afraid of what they can do. There are guys on the on the moose that can come in and who can actually do a positive for this team. And that's what we need right now. You can't or, just or, keep or rolling they should be given, that. They should be given the opportunity to try and do a positive. I mean, Lemieux, uh, like Paul, you touched on his shenanigans, but also um, by every measurable stat he's been one of the worst forwards of of any jet and that's not a criticism on him because you or i or any of us maybe don't like the guy that's just that's a fact he's he hasn't been doing nearly enough to to warrant having him in the lineup at all so i would much rather give the opportunity to to somebody else because yeah like ryan said there's enough good players in the system that we don't need to have a guy that we shelter i mean um uh, uh, just just send Lemieux down to the Moose, and he's done. He's no longer a Jet. And I know some people don't like that that idea, and they give up on people. But at some point, you need to create space for the guys that can work. The, like uh, these uh, the players are, the people know who they are when they're 13 years old and everything. By the time you're 22, 23, people kind of know what you are. And I think we know what Lemieux is. And I and, and I know some people want to keep the experiment going. But I mean, when do we get to find out who these other guys are? Right? Well, like, uh, it's it, Mason Appleton's press box, right? So, yeah. why not give him a chance? Well, yeah, and a lot of people were calling for that. That, that Moose lineup that was uh, Patan, uh, Roslevic, and uh, Appleton, you know, they, they, they lit it up in the, in the AHL. So, so, why not? I don't understand the commitment to Lemieux. It, it makes no sense. There's no con- contractual reasons. That makes sense. He's not some veteran, you know, that's making five times as much as everyone else on the line. So, you got to keep him in there. There's literally no reason at all. So no, it, the, the reason is that he scored a goal the other night against St. Louis. Yeah. No. That was already across the line when he touched it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. It, it, it literally, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, it's, it's unfortunate because, yes, uh, I think I should, should get an opportunity. He's had his opportunity uh, for the last two seasons, and I don't think we've seen enough in that to let it go. But I think part of it, too, is Maurice is – uh, adverse to change. Adverse is that the right word? He doesn't. He doesn't really change things unless he has to, unless somebody gets injured, or unless somebody gets suspended, or unless you know somebody gets a hot hand, right? Like uh, I called it back on the podcast a while ago. I said uh, we were trying to guess who's going to be on the line with Shifley and, and Wheeler, right? And I said, well, Wheeler's. He tried to get Wheeler's going, so he put him up on that line. He scored a goal. So even in a game when all three of those guys played on the top line, I said Ehlers is definitely starting the next game on that. It was, it was almost like too predictable because the only thing you have to predict is what's the least amount of change that has to happen, right? And that's exactly what Maurice will do, the least amount of change. So, uh, you know, having Brendan Lemieux in the press box, he's the next guy up in, in the lineup, right? It, it's almost a, a no-brainer. So I think that's uh, – and, and he's already played with the Jets. So now he's – He's earned the right to get to play again because he has already played. Even it doesn't matter if he played good or not; just he has played. So that is is what it is. And that's well, and when I guess, you look at our record, or you look at our record the last six games, uh, or even the fact that we haven't been, you know, necessarily uh, fully consistent, um, but yet you call up Niku and you let him sit in the press box for six games. I mean that that kind of and even last year when you know the tail end of the year, yeah, we were having a good year, all that kind of stuff. But but Dano. Um, you know, at the time sits in the press box for, I don't even know what the stretch was. It had to be like 25 or 30 games or something like that. It, it seemed like he was sitting up there and then all of a sudden you, okay, you yeah, can go, you go play a game. 
and he, you know, doesn't do a ton that game. And then he's back in the press box. Well, if I sat in the press box eating popcorn for 30 games and then you put me on the ice, I probably wouldn't play that well either. Yeah. So, you know, there's got to be some kind of happy medium there as far as, hey, we want to get these guys in there. We want to get them minutes. One of the things they said about Niku and sending him down is we want him to play. We want him to get minutes. And then you turn around, you call him up, and he's just sitting there. Yeah. Well, and after the Finland trip. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and then send Veselin in on a trip to Vancouver for nothing, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple puzzles. Okay. You got 11 Sorry. grand for that, though. You got, you got paid. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I don't think that's what it was about for, for him. He didn't, first of all, he didn't call himself up. So he didn't say, here's my chance to make some money. He got called Wait. up. So that's the. Well, the last kind of, and I said this earlier, the things that we see are literally the tip of the iceberg. So is there something that went on with that situation, why they called him up and then did that? Can I honestly say it was for spite? I don't think, I don't think True North does stuff like that, to be honest. I mean, that's my honest opinion on it. So I I think they try to convince him that, hey, you're up with the team now. You're one step away from joining us uh, in the lineup. It was your one injury away. You're now practicing with us. Come on, stay type of thing. It was a last ditch effort and it just didn't happen. He probably said, no, thanks, but I want to go back. Yeah, that's, that's all it was. They were just buying time, right? Just to have one, one last conversation to try and convince him to stay with the moose. I, I think Chevy made that pretty clear in his, uh, his press uh, presser at one point. So yeah, that, that was definitely an interesting situation. But I'm just going to uh, go back to, to the uh, Maurice and the, the young guys playing in the press box stuff. Rewind, and I, I know I've shared this before, but two years ago uh, when the Jets were, uh, they had a difficult, uh, they didn't make the playoffs that year. They had a difficult stretch of, of games, and Maurice would often kind of uh, say, you know, negative things about the schedule and how hard it's been, and everyone's tired and ragged. Yet uh, during that stretch, and uh, stretches throughout the season. I mean, Dano was in the press box for each of these players were in the press box for about eight to 12 games. Uh, Dano, Latan, Connor, DeLeo were all in the press box for eight to 12 games, or like healthy scratch during uh, that time and, and throughout the season. So I don't understand how at any point you can complain about the schedule when you have skilled players that can come in your lineup, that can help your lineup, they can fill in on the third and fourth lines and take pressure away from your first line so you don't feel like you need to run them so much, but you can put guys out there that you trust. There, there's no reason to, like, run your third and fourth lines ragged if you have to at, at certain points. I mean, especially if you're up in games, right? If, you, you know, give those, if you're up by two, three goals, run those lines to give those other guys rest and then pull someone out of your press box the next game and say, okay, well, you know, Cop, he was, he was out there, you know, you know, the, 13, 14 minutes, but he's on the PK for, for five of those minutes. I mean, let's give that guy a break. Put him in the press box. He doesn't. These players don't have to play every game. There's, there's no entitlement. Let's get those other guys in and use that press box, those extra players that are there, not just for practice dummies, right? Use them as actual parts of your lineup that you can call on and switch guys in and out. And it's not a punishment. It's a strategic. And uh, I think more, uh, it, Maurice would do well to to use those guys that he has in his press box strategically, even like on the defense and the forwards, just getting guys out, trying to take pressure off those top lines. I know it's unusual, but I, I mean, it's the new NHL. It's a young, fast, skilled game. Try and find every advantage you can, but instead young, skilled players sit up in our press box way too much. And when Maurice was signed, um, 
I guess this is before last season or two summers ago. Um, I remember them specifically say that he we like him because he develops the youth. But I, I mean, I, I don't really know if I buy in or see that. Again, I'm not trying to be harp on the guy and go overboard, but I'm just telling you what I see. I don't know if you're not a first round draft pick. I'm not sure what developing is going on. It's a, and the idea of you need to earn it, you need to do this, you need to play this many games down the HL. I don't know if there's been a scientific enough formula that someone says, oh yeah, we just need to play him, you know, five minutes a night on the fourth line with some terrible players, right? To really, that'll teach him a lesson and that'll be the lesson that actually makes him a great player. Like that's why Ehlers had to play with Thorburn. That's why Patan had to play with Thorburn. Whatever it is, I, I don't know. There's There's no formula to say that that is the right thing. That's just someone's opinion that that's what we do and that's what works. I mean, Connor didn't have to go through that. Connor lit it up in the AHL. He comes up and uh, he gets to play with Shifley and Wheeler when they have, you know, each two the almost their best seasons ever, right? So he gets to do that. Where Rosovic comes in, you know, drafted a couple spots behind Connor and he gets to play five minutes a night on the fourth line with, with some skilled teammates, better than Patan got to play with back in the day and better than Ehlers got to play with, but. There, there's not even like a formula to say it. So when someone says, or more he says, this is what we're doing with this guy because this is, you know, how we see his development path. It's not even consistent. And there's not even a formula to it that says that it even works. That if you come up with the team and you get to watch from a press box, right? And, oh, you get to see the game from a different level. Uh, you know, you get to see it from up there. So there's some value to be added. It's like these guys have watched, 20,000 hockey games in their life and played in, you know, 20,000 games, whatever it is, right? I'm, I'm just throwing out ridiculous numbers here. But th- anyhow, it's just it's just nonsense. It's just chatter, like I'm doing right now. <laughs> it adds no value. There's there's no proof of the value that it adds. And so when, just, you just eat it, when people just eat it up and go, yeah, yeah, that's the development path. That's what we're doing. Like I'm sure there's people, uh, or Maurice, if you asked him right now why Nico's playing in a press box, he'd probably give you a nice glowing answer and everyone go yeah okay that's 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 a really good answer whereas it you know if he said the opposite and said yeah i shouldn't have sat him up there for so long we need to get him back in games we're sending him down it was a bad idea people go yeah yeah that's the right answer yeah it's definitely the right answer like people can't even agree on what the right answer is because there isn't one and so when the coach gives an answer and everyone accepts it as the right answer i just go okay that doesn't seem like it's working seems like a bad idea so can we just call it a bad idea and say maybe you're not infallible just because you're an NHL coach? Maybe you make mistakes. Maybe you could be better. I don't know. Anyhow, that's my hot take. I'll, just, I'll throw it out there and I'll say, hey, Chevy, if, if you need somebody to eat popcorn and pay $11,000 a game, I, I'm free most game nights. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll go and do that if, uh, if you want to put Nico out there and I'll take his spot. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a quota. they got to, like, sell so many hot dogs a night up there i have no idea but uh it seems crazy that you got guys sitting up there that uh, that should be playing your you're right yeah press box should be for for veterans like uh sean matthias last year right that, that's the kind of guy he doesn't this game's not it's done developing really right it's it, it's over you're there to fill in it shouldn't be your guys that are under 24 years old right exactly Ryan, what's your last hot take? What, what time? It's getting late here. Let, let's wrap it up. I'm sure everyone stopped listening anyhow. Okay, Ryan, let, let, kill it. Kill it with a real zinger to, to end us off here. 
Jets will win 4-1 tomorrow. Okay. And Halibuck should be in net because he Chicago is one of the best teams he plays against. He only plays against Vancouver, Colorado, and someone else better in his career. He has a .935 save percentage. I'm just saying numbers now. I need to wrap this up so I can edit it and uh, post it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. And oh, how does how does Hellebuck play on Thursdays? I, everyone needs to know. What's his record on Thursdays in November? Um, I have all this. I had all this up, but I closed it. Like, yeah. I have every... I know November is like his third worst month. <laughs> Jeez, you don't know this, okay? Everyone, just no, so you I don't, do. if you if you don't know, Ryan's a bullshitter, and this is nonsense. He does not know this. He's just uh, hacking. So, okay, Ryan. So you have no no big uh, thing to to add. Uh, oh, uh, so let's just kind of move into sort of business stuff. We didn't didn't talk about this. No, Paul. no, 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 no. 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 Okay. What? I, November. He has a point nine one three save percentage. He's twenty eleven. He Did you actually know this. This is stupid. Yes, against Chicago, he's six and four with two oh two goals against average, nine thirty five save percentage. We should call a patch uh, for the Chicago game. He's never given up a shorthanded goal against Chicago. And I lied about the days of the week thing. I don't have that. So I'm a half bullshitter. That's fine. I can't believe you had any of that info. That's that's that kind of info is just ridiculous. That's like that's me when I tried I tried to find out how many Twitter followers all the mascots had. That's it's that kind of ridiculous. Sorry, Paul, go ahead. What <laughs> no, I was uh, yeah, I was uh, amazed at the uh, recall in the stats. I I have a, a piece of paper here. I think I wrote three things on. So you're you got me beat. <laughs> well, uh, this is completely random, but I just wanted to say that in six career games against San Jose, Hellebuck has led in five even strength four play up power play and three shorthanded goals against so five four three in six games oh shut up i think i think ryan's <laughs> on the random google uh show me the next fact hey hey siri <laughs> <laughs> oh no she just woke up no go to sleep siri no it's google home now or, uh, or alexa or something like that but yeah right all right Let's move on to some business. So uh, we do, as a podcast, we do have some good interviews coming up. we got Rick Ralph coming up next week. We're still working on Patrick Williams. He is the hardest man to uh, to make plans with. Um, I'm probably going to be doing an interview with Leah Hextall, hopefully soon. Uh, Daniel is going to be interviewing Andrew Berkshire, who's been doing some writing for the the free press uh, lately. And Paul, I'm going to take this time to mention it. You know you know it's coming. You know what I'm going to say. You know? <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. Paul, <laughs> We wanted to do this, uh, or I, I thought this was a great idea at the beginning of the season. I still want to do it. Um, Ryan's going to come into town one of these times, bring some sound equipment. And what we're going to do, hopefully, we could do it live. If not, it'll be recorded. But we want to do an actual calling of the game. So Paul used to do some play-by-play for uh, the MJHL. I did, I did play-by-play. Uh, I did play-by-play in college. My last, uh, my last actual game that I called that was broadcast anywhere was, and I was thinking about this after we talked the other day was 1992 was the Brandon wheat Kings against the Kamloops blazers. Uh, might've been late 1991 actually, but, uh, it was uh, Trevor kid in that versus Corey Hirsch. 
<laughs> for the Kamloops Blazers. And I'm pretty sure I got a tape of that game somewhere. But uh, after that, I, I, you know, I tried to get uh, into the industry. Didn't work out uh, all that well. And of course, uh, life takes over. But actually, when the Moose first came, I used to get uh, passes to the press box, and I used to go up there and actually call games uh, just for myself to try and get some, uh, try and keep the pipes going. So, uh, so we'll give it a shot again, and we'll see how we do. Yep, exactly. I love it. So, yeah, Paul, Paul's got some experience. I thought it'd be fun when you told me that you you did that. I said, let's uh, let's do this. We'll get a couple guys. We'll do some uh, color commentary uh, beside it, and you could do that, and we'll have some fun with it. And maybe Ryan, if we can figure it out, we'll do it live. If not, we'll do it recorded, and uh, Jets fans can uh, PVR the game and uh, watch it later. Nobody watch it live that night. Just everyone PVR it, watch the next night. By the time we post it, be fun. Yeah, actually, you know what we should try and do? Maybe we'll try and uh, do an afternoon game so then people could still watch the game like in the evening that day. But uh, yeah, whatever, we'll, we'll figure it out. It might be a fun experiment. Maybe it'll be something we'll do a do more than once, but uh, we got to do at least once to see if it's uh, worth it and how fun it is. So um, that's something else that people can look forward to. <laughs> Sorry? I said, Paul Any? screws up the name, everybody drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Dude, on purpose. Uh, that that'd be a good, a good, good plan. Just uh, screw up the names constantly, so people drink a lot, they get really drunk, and then they remember that it was a great idea, and they tell all their friends about it. So I like it, Paul. Good thinking. You bet. Absolutely, keep, it's gonna be fun. Keep people, keep people coming back. Okay, so I think that's it. I don't know if there's any other business stuff, but uh, Paul, thanks so much for for joining us for the first time. We'll definitely have you on thanks again. Yeah, Ryan. Anything? Nothing. No um, plug. No plugs. I got I got an interview coming up late next week. I can't say who yet because it's not 100% locked down, but it's exciting. Um, I think everyone will be excited to tune into that one. So still working out an exact date and time, but be looking forward to that one. Do I know who it is or no? Yeah. Well, now I gotta think. I gotta read over my list here. <laughs> you have to send me a message afterwards. Oh, and and Ryan, we gotta we gotta start planning another trivia night too. So we'll we'll do another trivia one. That was uh, that was fun. I think. Let's try like... to do one uh, this weekend if you're if you're free. We can talk yeah. about that off uh, off mic, I guess. No, no. Everybody who's listening needs to hear the nonsense and the the be, see behind the scenes. Hear behind the oh, scenes. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Paul, uh, usually what we do at the end of a podcast, when we remember, is we usually do a hashtag, uh, and then we'll pick some old Jets uh, players' name. Usually 2.0, but it could be w- whatever you want, or maybe just a hashtag, uh, you know, helmet party. It could be anything, and then people who listen and actually get to this part of the episode, then they'll uh, they'll tweet out at the Jet Centric uh, podcast uh, Twitter Twitter account, and then we just kind of have some fun, and we go, we give them a little winky or something just to say, hey, we see you too. Well, I did one today, and I said uh, hashtag free the fourth line. So uh, let's uh, let's go let's go with that one, I guess. Okay, hashtag free the fourth line. All right, Perfect. I think that's it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Hopefully, you made it this long. Well, Ryan, how long have we been recording right now? Anyhow, I've been recording for an hour and twenty minutes, but I think we cut out about fifteen minutes of a preamble. Okay, good. So. Uh, this will be a great five-minute episode. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, anyhow, let's go to bed. Thanks, guys. Take care. Okay, thanks. Thank you.